0: Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020 Campari America, New York, New York. Never compromise. Drink responsibly. This is the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helman.
1: Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Tuesday, August 7th episode of the roto Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, Joining me today, um, Luke Hoover, my Rotowire colleague. Hey man, um, so where are you located?
2: Uh, Northern New Jersey. Where? What part? If you know the area of Burton County.
1: Yeah, keep going. (laughs) Uh,
2: Born and raised in a town called Mawa.
1: Oh, absolutely. Okay, yeah, I have friends in Ridgewood and and, uh, Wyckoff and... Wayne and all that so yeah
2: general okay. cool. generally are- so you're a Giants fan no actually diehard Green Bay what how did that happen uh, first Jersey I ever got was Sterling sharp so that was I wanted to be a wide receiver sharp was my favorite guy then some guy named Brett Favre showed up and yeah I was-
1: he was good are you fast were you I mean was it realistic that you could be a wide receiver <laughs>
2: I would I had some straight uh, straight line speed but uh, no I was also super small I was the the kid on the like the fifth grade team that they called Rudy
1: got it you see I was I'm short and slow so it's not it wasn't a good mix for my football career at all
2: <laughs> plus yeah no I, I was a I was a point guard I was more of a basketball guy growing up gotcha
1: all right. Um, let's get started, everybody. Uh, thanks for joining us. We are going to talk wide receivers today. Lots and lots of wide receivers. So far, we have done. If, if you track the podcast since we started, beginning of July, uh, beginning of June, actually, um, we've kind of done deep dives on the other three major positions. And, and today, we're going to do wide receivers. I'm mean, actually, I was thinking about it uh, before I started. I'm gonna, we're going to do a kicker and a defense podcast. Unless if Derek Van Riper is listening to this and he vetoes what I just said, then that might change. But I think we need to do episodes on kickers and defenses. But let's go wide receivers, and the first thing I want to ask you, let's start near the top of the food chain here. Julio and Michael, the the top three is Antonio, Antonio then Hopkins, then Beckham. Now we go Julio and Michael Thomas, and there seems to be a difference of opinion as to who should be fourth. Who do you think should be fourth if the top three are the same for you?
2: Well, I mean, we'd have to dive deeper into that a little bit because I'd probably have a 3A and 3B and... Um, I'm I'm uh, probably in the minority where I have Devonte Adams way up there in my top five. Ah. So um, I would have Julio fifth behind that that top four, and Thomas you know really close behind him. But I'd I'd actually have Keenan Allen one spot ahead of Thomas as well. I'm having him probably at seven. You know it's you're you're kind of splitting hairs with a lot of, a lot of these guys. With Julio, I'm going for that uh, consistency we've seen over a longer stretch. You know four straight year. Over the last four years, I should say, he's averaging over 1,500 yards. You know, the touchdowns are really the only thing missing. But Michael Thomas had two more than him last year. He had five to Julio's three. I think they're both more realistically those guys that are going to be in that six to eight range with the obviously the physical ability, the upside to hit double digits. But I I like Julio, you know, largely because I, I see those additions in New Orleans affecting Thomas more than a guy like Calvin Ridley is going to affect Julio. So you got... You know, Cam Meredith, who I really like, who's going to get some targets out of the slot, another good red zone weapon with his size at 6'3. You know, Ben Watson improves the tight end situation for New Orleans. And I think flying under the radar a little bit, though, is the, the third round pick that they added, Quan Smith, uh, a deep threat, you know, big play guy who could steal some targets, you know, and they still have Ted Ginn there. So I think there's a, a more mouths to feed in New Orleans than there are in Atlanta.
1: Okay. So with Julio, for. In many years, you look or we have looked, I think all of us have looked at him and said, well, the the volumes there, there's going to be some level of touchdown regression. Now, you look at Julio's stats and I mean, man, you know, the receptions are great. I mean, they were better in 2014, 15 than they have been the last two years. The last four years, he's averaged close to sixteen hundred receiving yards a year. And you look and you go, I mean, compared to Michael Thomas, much as I like Michael Thomas, and much as I like Devontae Adams, to, to what you said a minute ago, even compared to Odell Beckham, I look at Julio with the numbers and the value, and I go, that dude is money in the bank. Are, are they just, not, I don't want to say they've screwed up their offense, but have they just designed their offense in a way that's not friendly to Julio getting touchdowns? And, and basically, do we have to just accept it at this point?
2: You know, I don't think that's the case. I, I know he was among the, the leaders, league leaders in, in red zone targets last year. It's a little fluky to see the three touchdowns. And it reminded me a little bit of a season. Uh, I don't remember what year exactly it was where, you know, Calvin Johnson regressed big time in touchdowns. Might have been around like 13 or 14. And he had, I want to say, maybe, maybe five, uh, you know, after a year where he had uh, probably like 12, 10 or 12. And I, if there was some stat that I saw where he got tackled at the one-yard line like four or five times. Right, you know? I remember that. So it's just like, what are the chances of something like that obviously happening again? And You know, Julio's that guy where, you know, I don't – he has one season in his career with 10 touchdowns, mm-hmm. exactly 10. So, you know, I think it would be an outlier obviously to see him go up and blow up for 12 or, or, or more scores. But, you know, he's got that – the size-speed combo, um, you know, that he's also that deep threat that might – Michael Thomas really isn't. He's, you know, he's more the chain mover type, and certainly you have to expect. You know, he's never having three touchdowns again, Julio, I and mean, that's that's just a bizarre uh, coincidence the way that happened last year. So he's definitely a guy that you know, like you say, he's money in the bank. The catches, the yards, the touchdowns will bounce back. Why he's not getting love in the first round is beyond me.
1: All right, um, I think I, I have to. You know, work on rankings again. Yeah, but I, I'm Julio's uh, definitely at least four for me. I might have him higher. I might. i I think between him and OBJ, I think I might have to. There's some deep thought that's that's going into that one. All right, folks, uh, check us out on Twitter. Luke is at Hoover underscore L underscore A. I'm at Jay Helping Thirty Seven. You can also tweet us at RotoWire. You can get player updates at RotoWire NFL, or you can find us on Facebook. All right, um, let's get into this position. And we're going to go through, as usual, we look at the ADPs for reference points. Um, we're looking at MFLs. And we're looking at um, fantasy football calculator. Is is Antonio over Hopkins, are they one, two? And is Antonio an easy one? Is it even a thought for you?
2: It really, you know, it is an easy uh, decision. I don't know how it's not. I mean, PPR standard, it really doesn't matter the format. And, um, you know, you could look at a lot of, Brown's numbers over the years and just, they're, they're incredible. But to separate the two, I I looked at, uh, just last season. uh, I mean, obviously he put up the 1500 plus in like 13 games and change, but what stood out to me is just what they, they both played that ridiculous Jacksonville secondary twice. And what's kind of interesting about that they, they had 30 and 29 targets respectively. Brown had 30, Hopkins had 29. In the two games, Brown combined for 17 catches, 289, and two scores. Killed him in the in the playoffs, coming off the calf injury that, that forced him to miss those couple of games. And Hopkins had 11 for uh, catches on, on 29 targets for 135 and a couple garbage touchdowns. Obviously, the quarterback, you know, discrepancy uh, was huge when when uh, Watson went down, and and you think that that's going to even out a little bit, but. Watson is coming off the ACL injury. Maybe he regresses significantly as far as his his performance as a passer. And even if he doesn't, he's a running quarterback who might get hurt. And I know, you know, obviously Ben's had some moments where he's missed games as well. But I I like Mason Rudolph as a backup. I think Brown's just a safer guy. He's a no-brainer as the top receiver to me.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Okay, next I want to talk about Devontae Adams who you liked. I've been hearing from a lot of people that, you know, this is it. This is, this is the year for him. And, and it's not like, you know, he, he's, he'll cost you a mid-second round pick on your average case. Might be early second in your draft, depending on your league. Depends on who you have. If you have a Packers fan like Luke, then maybe he goes higher. But it, it, it seems like the stars are aligning for a massive touchdown season from him. Is that why you have him ranked so
2: high? Well, I mean, the, the touchdowns have been there the last couple of years. It, it, I think it's pretty well-known stat. he, he Leads the league with 22 over the last two seasons. Uh, I think it's, for me, it's actually not even necessarily bad. I'm kind of banking on double-digit touchdowns from him. It's, look at at the rest of the offense. I don't see any way his yards, not necessarily skyrocket, but he hits 1,200. And and I expect something in the ballpark of maybe 1,200 to 1,300 with, you know, I think a ceiling of 15 scores, maybe even a little higher as far as the ceiling. Obviously, Jimmy Graham is a threat in the red zone. You know, Cobb is already dealing with a, a second ankle injury after he had the minor cleanup procedure, the surgery on his ankle uh, around the minicamp time. You know, it's difficult to trust his health. He hasn't been a big impact guy in, in a few years. They've got a bunch of rookies. I like some of the upside on guys like Equinemia St. Brown, Jamon Moore, but how involved are they really going to be? You know, it'd be surprising to see, Hop, uh, see Adams get less than, say, 140, maybe 150 targets in that range. You know, even though the backfield's good and everything like that, they play a lot of really good teams this year, a lot of good offenses, where they're going to be throwing that football. They might get in some shootouts. You know, Adams is the total package. Great off the line of scrimmage. You know, good in and out of his breaks. Great separation. Well, and he's got that vertical to close in the red zone.
1: Okay. Um, Next, I want to go down a little bit to T.Y. Hilton. T.Y., and... his ADPs here, I I would, let's call them fluid because the Andrew Luck news has changed things and he might not have settled in where he's going to be. If Andrew Luck comes out on, on, are they playing Thursday night, Friday night? I don't have the schedule in front of me this week. Um... It, it, and looks just perfectly fine and healthy and normal with no complications then ty hilton's adp looks like it will probably continue to rise right now in mfl he's 14th wide receiver going in the early fourth round um i'm looking at fantasy football calculator he's actually going 10th in the third round maybe this is more recent um it's over the last month do, do you with a healthy andrew luck how high does ty go for you in the rankings
2: Probably the the mid mid high teens for me. I mean, I currently have him at seventeen. Uh, if luck does look like the arm is back, and, and you know it, it's going to be hard to tell, they might not let him really, you know, throw much beyond ten twenty yards. So it's going to be difficult to really gauge that. Where where Hilton's that, you know, that stud deep threat, you know, great yard per target guy who's who's putting up a lot of big plays. Um, he's a good route runner, so he's going still going to do damage underneath, but. Uh, you know, that's what they have two tight ends for, you know, Jack Doyle and Ebron I- I'm leery of Hilton. He's a guy who, you know, if he does fall into the third round when I'm drafting later on in the month and, and luck looks good. I mean, you know, that's a steel pick where that could be a potential league winner. If he bounces back with like a 1200 yard season, which he's fully capable of. Um, but it's, yeah, you got to play wait and see a little bit with luck.
1: Okay. So I'm going to give you either ors right now. Again, let let's let's assume luck is healthy, okay? And I know you you could never, you know, that, that's always a little bit of a scary thing. Even though right now everything sounds good, um, you like Tyreek Hill better than Ty?
2: Yes, definitely. Um, what about the not two? too worried about Sammy Watkins stealing from Hill? What about the two Vikings? Um, both probably in PPR and in non PPR I'd put. Hilton slightly ahead of Thielen. Uh, I do have Diggs. I'm probably higher than, than most on him. I have him just inside my top ten.
1: Okay. Amari um, Cooper.
2: Bit of a coin flip. I think Cooper's going to be a, a volume guy this year if he's able to stay healthy. And I think we'll see something closer to what he did in, in year number two. Um, and if he can get the touchdowns. Yeah, I'd probably opt for Cooper if they're both sitting there in like the late third
1: Okay, and the other question I want to ask you is: what, how do you feel? Looking at Hilton, what does the new coaching staff mean for him, do you think? Is this a, you know, I mean, yes, they're offensive coaches, but in terms of scheme, is it, is it friendly for a, a home run, a hitter like him or not?
2: Well, you know, Frank Wright's coming over from, from Philly where they didn't have a, a home run hitter, you know, of his caliber, not even close. Torrey Smith was the, the closest thing last year they had to a home run hitter. And and he's inconsistent, he he doesn't have particularly good hands, you know, uh, got I think around like probably 60 plus targets. So it's hard to say if it's friendly for it, you know, but, uh, you know, I think he's a smart enough offensive coach that he's going to utilize his weapons the right way. Hilton's, you know, that one of the better deep threats in the league still. So um, it'd be surprising to see if he doesn't get north of 120 targets. See,
1: I'm having this. I'm looking at the wide receivers, and, and it's funny, you can change your mind when you're looking at certain groups of players. And I'm thinking about if I, if I can walk out of a draft with Devontae Adams and T.Y. Hilton as my second and third picks, I think I'd be doing somersaults if that happened.
2: Because, yeah. I mean, assuming you're going and, in with a, a top notch running back, that's a heck of a good start.
1: Right. Like if, if, I, if you had number four and you got whichever the fourth running back wound up to be and then you have late second. I mean that that this would assume you could get Devonte with let's say pick 20 which or 21 which is kind of tough. That's that's a cross your fingers and hope it happens rather than thinking it will happen, but I don't know. Or you get Antonio mid first then then a running back in the second and then Devonte, I don't know, anyway. Okay. Just thinking of how this thing could th- these drafts could fall. Let's go down a little further. Mike Evans, and it's not a lot for... Actually, this is up a little bit. On Fantasy Football Calculator, Mike Evans is wide receiver 9. On MFL, he's wide receiver 8. Uh, why? Why is Mike <laughs> Evans ranked that high? Like, I, I, I see Mike Evans as a... He's, he's, a, he's a talent. He, he, he might not be as good of a, a football player as we hoped. Maybe? Like, I look at this guy and I go, maybe Jameis forces it to him when he's back. But I'm not sure why I'm ranking him ahead a lot of these other guys. Are you a Mike Evans fan?
2: Uh, I'm not a big fan. I, I can tell you he's, he's not I, of all the MFL tens I've drafted. he's not on a single roster. I probably won't own him anywhere this year, quite frankly. Um, I'm, I'm a really, really big uh, Chris Godwin fan. Um, you know, it, people probably forget how how good Mike Wallace looked before Antonio Brown basically stole that number one job right out from under him and, and they were shipping Wallace off I don't expect anything like that to happen but I can see a scenario in which two or three years from now Godwin's the number one and Evans is the you know big red zone target who can stretch the field a little bit because of his size uh, you know he's, he's that kind of that long strider and get behind the defense but he's a volume guy to me and I don't see the volume staying there mm-hmm. uh, Godwin and uh O.J. Howard combined for only 95 targets last year, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's more in, the, like, the 150 or 60 range this year, uh, you know, with them both over 70-plus targets, 70, 80 uh, targets. And, and Evans has become a little bit too touchdown-dependent because of that. He's a you know, career guy around a little over 50% catch rate, right. you know, just having consistent enough hands. You know, if he's not getting in the end zone or he's not getting a huge target share, uh, I could see him being one of those guys who kind of languishes in that fifteen to twenty range. You know, he's going to still be productive, uh, and I do have him ranked tenth currently, but almost more out of out of habit.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, you look at the touchdowns, and like you said, he's touchdown dependent. Last the last four years, his four year career touchdowns: twelve, three, twelve, five. Well, let's say the the RotoWire projections. Have him at 83 for 11, 35, and 8, which is a middle ground basically. If he goes for 11, 35, and 8 in standard, then he's at 161 or so. Last year, that would have put him at wide receiver seven. So, I mean, maybe I'm beating up on him a little bit, but I'm with you. I, I don't, I don't think I wanna, I want a lot. I, th- I think Godwin's pretty good too. I think the tight, I think the two tight ends make it a little bit more of a headache. So I, I don't know. I, I think at that, at, at, at that draft spot, I think I'm out on Mike Evans. Um, let's go down a little bit more to Juju. Everyone loves Juju, right? Everyone. I mean, whether, whether you want to rank him high or not, you just love the guy. He's fun. He's great on Twitter. He had the bicycle thing. He's just, you know, he's a fun player. As a fantasy player, last year in standard formats, he winds up in 13 games with only 79 targets. He goes fifty-eight for nine, seventeen, and seven. He winds up at about wide receiver seventeen, ranking-wise right now. MFL, he's number eighteen on and then on Fantasy Football Calculator. Excuse me, he's also number eighteen. Now, look, I know with that low volume last year, he wound up at number seventeen, but I look at that and I go with Bell there and Antonio there. I mean, his catch rate was super high, right? So, I mean, do you think with that kind of volume, even if it goes up a little bit, is he still top 20? Is there enough to go around in Pittsburgh?
2: I mean, I'm not too worried about the the catch rate dropping off. You know, there's a number of guys who maintained that in that 70 uh, percent ballpark, which I think he was like 72. Um, and, and he's he's a big body guy, strong hands, you know, can run a full route tree, uh, not not particularly fast, but, you know, good and, can, you know, in uh, tight windows, can make the contested catch, can run away from guys and, and shed some tackles. I know I'm not the first guy to compare him to this this player, but you know, reminds me a lot of Anquan Bolden. Um, so, volume or not, I could see a scenario where you know he plays the Bolden to Antonio Brown's you know Fitzgerald, uh, and, and somewhere in that 110 target range, he's going to still be really productive. He was a bit reliant on the big play. That's the thing that would worry me a bit, just kind of where his ADP is. Um, You know, just over the second half of the season, he had at least he had five catches of forty plus, including that, you know, ninety-seven yard touchdown against the Lions, which were you know was a bit of a broken coverage. Uh, So yeah, it's he's a gamble. I don't, I haven't invested in him as high as he is yet, but you know, I'm sure I'll probably have a share or two of him before the end of draft season.
1: Okay, so would you rather have him than – I'm going to do the either-or game again. All right, Alan Robinson.
2: Ooh, I, I basically have him like back-to-back, so I, I'd probably uh, opt for, for uh, Smith-Schuster just because I'm you know, comfort, more comfortable with the health, and I've got probably the, the industry's biggest obsession with Anthony Miller.
1: <laughs> That's a popu- popular name these days here. Anthony Miller we talked about him a lot yesterday
2: um, no. so I'm, I'll try to work him in at some point in this conversation too okay
1: that's fine I, I want to hear more about Anthony Miller and I, I mentioned yesterday that uh, I was he was on my college fantasy team last year so he's one of those guys I felt like I watched a little more than than others and yeah he's really good and he's looked great in camp everybody can't shut up about him in camp which is fun so alright um, folks auto new fantasy football's next level fantasy football challenge you've been looking for Experience year-round dynasty competition with deep rosters. Accumulate college player prospects to lead your team in the future or to move for a superstar at the trade deadline. Atenu Fantasy Football never sleeps with year-round trades and off-season arbitration. Learn more about why everyone who plays Atenu becomes addicted at AtenuFootball.com. That's Atenu, O-T-T-O-N-E-U. Atenu, better fantasy football. Do you play Atenu Football?
2: Uh, I do, actually. I, you know, I got too excited when we were talking before about Devontae Adams, but I have a, an Atenu Football story with him where uh, before last season, Pete Schenke and you know, President Ridwire invited me into uh, a league that they had ongoing, and I had to kind of take over a major rebuild project. Um, you know, I, I happened to, one of the good pieces on that team was, was Jordan Howard. I restocked some running backs, in, you know, last season, who was pretty thin at receivers. So coming in this year, we're, we're actually having the draft tomorrow, the auction draft. Uh, I was able to package Jordan Howard and Robert Woods for the exact same salary for, for 26 dollars out of the 400 hundred dollar budget and and shop them for Devonte adams to be my number one so i'm feeling really good heading into that draft adding adams to to go with a pretty good stable of running backs
1: all right so you're doing this folks we're recording this right now i'm speaking at 547 eastern on 547 p.m eastern on tuesday yeah because my autonomy drafts tonight and p in that one too
2: <laughs> i saw he tweeted something about that earlier and i was thinking wait a second, is this my league? And then we double-checked his roster because he tweet, tweeted out something about Calvin Ridley. Um, you know, I, was like, I don't think he has him, but I better check.
1: <laughs> you, you know why I'm excited? So my running backs, and I won't bore everyone, because as I tell my kids, every kids, no one cares about your fantasy football team, except for people who get paid to care about your fantasy football team, like us. So um, I, there, I've been excited because I have Geis and McKinnon as my backfield for 33 bucks combined, which is pretty good. But now I have Rex Burkhead, and the Sony Michel stuff is making me look like a genius. It's really working, you know, nothing against Sony Michelle, but Rex Burkhead at that price is going to be a really nice player, at least for the, probably for the first half of the season. So I'm ready. But I kept Jameis for yeah. 27.
2: Well, Burkhead is actually in our, our draft tomorrow night, and I'm really curious to see what he goes for.
1: Okay. You know who else my sneaky favorite keeper is John Ross. I'm getting a little excited uh, about that one.
2: Definitely, definitely a John Ross fan. He's also in this draft. Uh, so we'll see. I don't want to give away too much.
1: All right. Well, folks, um, I will, like I said, I'm doing this Tuesday. On Thursday, I will let you know how my auto-new team did. I'll actually tweet out, screen grab of it when I'm done. I'm at and 37 Again, Luke is at Hoover underscore A underscore. Uh, L, sorry, Hoover underscore L underscore A. All right. Um, back to the rankings and the ADPs. <laughs> Marvin Jones. So last year... Look, the, the, it wasn't a lot of consistency. I think early it was great. And, and, and interestingly, when Kenny Galladay was on the field, Marvin Jones' stats weren't as good. The targets weren't as good. Um, but he wound up in standard as wide receiver 5. He went 61 for 11.01 and 9. He is being ranked in the 20s. I am looking at MFL. He's at wide receiver 27. And fantasy football calculator, he is at wide receiver twenty three. Why? Why don't we like Marvin Jones?
2: I mean, what you just said, <laughs> Kenny Galladay, seems just you know, there's that perception. to think maybe he limited Jones's targets a little bit last year when, when he was healthy, and he's got a lot of hype coming into this year. I'm not that big of a Kenny Galladay fan. Um, I I don't know if I'll even end up owning you know many if any of these lines receivers, but you have to, at some price point, I think, I have interest in all three of their their top guys, but I do have Jones, you know, ranked ahead of any of them, you know, even in a PPR format where where Tate's obviously going to lead the team in catches or most likely, anyways. Um, Jones, you know, I'll tell you, you know, one one reason that I, I really particularly like Jones, besides the fact that he's a great deep threat, just the the skill set. You know, I watched him in that Thursday uh, Thanksgiving game. You know, pluck a ball off of Xavier Rhodes' head, one of the best corners in the league, one of the most physical guys, and just kind of, you know, pull pull away from him like Rhodes is doing a spin, doesn't know what's going on, and and step into the end zone like a ballerina. The, it was an incredible play. I thought one of the best catches of the year, and he's capable of that. You know, people forget if you go back a few years before uh, he had a uh, an injured season in Cincinnati, he had on like 80 targets, he had 10 touchdowns. You know, so he's he's good in the red zone. He's he's a you know able to stretch the field. He averaged eighteen yards uh, a catch last year. So you you kind of have to feel like that's coming down a bit, and maybe that's another reason to be a little um, you know a little bit low on him. But just he's a good value. You know, despite any inconsistency, he's he's got such a high ceiling from week to week.
1: And and just for for context, there based on what you were talking about, he was twenty first among wide receivers in targets with one hundred and seven. So he's not one of those guys that gets thrown to constantly. Um, All right. Are we going to get the Corey Davis breakout? I joke around that last year, every week, I'd come on and go, this is it. I'm playing Corey Davis for 3,600 in DraftKings every week, and this is it. I'm going to get, you know, 10 targets and and six receptions and 80 yards and a touchdown. And it just didn't happen. What what should I be expecting? Tons of talent there. Um, The performance didn't match it last year, and the injuries didn't help. But what do you think is going to happen with Corey Davis?
2: So uh, I think if if Corey Davis was healthy as a rookie, we had his you know some we'd have had something of a breakout last year, probably somewhere in that 900 to a thousand range um, you know off of like 60 plus catches and five six scores and and that's in an offense that was one of the you know among the 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 bottom barrel for for pace in the league, which we all expect to to really increase now they brought. Um, you know the coordinator over from uh, from the Rams. So I'm I'm, I'm banking on a bre- the breakout. I have Corey Davis, I think, in quite literally every single league <laughs> so far. <laughs> I might be a bit saturated, but um, I'm actually going out of my way to, to to trade for a draft pick in my favorite homekeeper league, a league we've been got had going on for a little over a decade, with my brother who's a huge Niners fan. So I'm gonna shop package and shop him McKinnon. And Josh Gordon, uh, just to get an extra pick out of the deal, because I can't keep all these guys and hang on to Corey Davis as my last keeper. So I have him probably again, like I said, with uh, you know Anthony Miller and Diggs and Davis are probably the three names that I'm higher than most on, and, and Davis is <laughs> and nestled uh, right inside my top fifteen, which I'm sure he's not for the vast majority of the industry.
1: Okay. Um. We are coming, by the way, for Corey Davis, ADP wise, uh, 21st wide receiver at MFL and a little further, a little lower, 29th at Fantasy Football Calculator. Um, Devin Funches, down in my neck of the woods in Charlotte. Um, last year, he finished at wide receiver 20. He was 19th in targets, um, 63, 840, and 8 he was solid he was not spectacular but that's okay he appears to be the lead receiver on his team again um what do you why right he, he he's getting drafted outside the top 30. why do you think that is why is devin Funch just getting a little like i i i can see the argument of there's more mouths to feed is is it as simple as that or or do you agree with this these adps or not
2: um, I don't necessarily agree with the ADP. It, it, you know, sometimes you get into the, you get into that twenty to thirty range, even twenty to forty range. and It's kind of hard to, to rank some of those guys. It's his only year of real production, so maybe that's a factor. And it's kind of how quietly he did it. He's he, you know he he really did, there's nothing kind of sexy about Funches' game. He's just, he's a really big target, and his routes are you know okay. You know his his quarterback's accuracy is you know very inconsistent. So. I mean, his, his best game last year, yardage-wise, was 108 yards on 12 targets. Um, you know, he's he's a guy who you're, you're hoping for that game where he gives you maybe 80 yards and a couple touchdowns, and that might be his weekly ceiling. You know, they're, like you say, the extra mouths, as I'm sure there's concern, they t- take the you know fir- first wide receiver in the draft, D.J. Moore, you know, a uh, really good after-the-catch guy who can also be a chain mover, um, different, very different style receiver. Um, but, you know, they also get Greg Olson back, who missed most of last year. You know, is he going to steal some of the red zone work, you know, that Funches relies on a little bit? What I do like about him and what stood out to me a little bit last year is that he didn't seem to be, you know, he, he not. I'm not going to call him in any way matchup proof, but he didn't seem to struggle against a tough matchup. You know, he scored against right. the Vikings with Xavier Rhodes on him. And again, like I said, with Marvin Jones, the not a highlight catcher or anything like that, but he was able to get in the end zone. You know, did pretty well against Marshawn Lattimore, who was kind of one of those breakout stars as far as corners last year. You know, even had about 80 yards in the, in the playoff game against him, scored against them in the regular season. So, you know, I don't worry too much about Funches, It's just what's his ceiling, you know, a little over 1,000 and maybe the same eight scores he had last year. Maybe maybe he's a double-digit touchdown guy, but it, the volume won't be there either, which is another concern.
1: Okay. Um wire projections are close. Sixty three, eight, eighty-seven, and seven, which is almost identical to last year. The yards a little higher, one touchdown less, but pretty close. Um similar line of questioning about Robbie Anderson. Um, I mean you're probably gonna have a rookie quarterback. I don't know when. Chance it could be the whole season. He finished at wire receiver seventeen. Um sixty three for nine forty one and seven I mean Robbie Anderson's pretty good this is the second year in a row that Robbie Anderson you know played and you kind of went hey wow he's he's kind of good and then you look at the adps and he's kind of lost he is thirty seventh at fantasy football calculator um he is thirty eighth at mFL why do you think
2: well I mean I think those numbers I've been drafting personally, I've been drafting the NFL since before the NFL draft. So right. uh you, you know, you, you wonder how much uh they were they're weighted from earlier drafts where he probably wasn't going nearly as high as he might today because of a, a concern of a bigger suspension and now maybe he's suspended one or two games, maybe he's not suspended at all. But, but these
1: these ADPs are pretty recent. I mean, I don't know exactly. I, I don't I, I think they're the last month or so, but they're not going back to draft uh, time. So
2: yeah, and in that case, then, you know, like you say, the, the rookie quarterback has probably got some people worried. A lot of it, the most of his success last year came with Josh McCown, and it, he pretty, he didn't totally drop off a cliff. I think he had, like, one 50-yard game, but that's basically from what he was doing for a little while, they're dropping off a cliff once McCown got hurt at the end of last year. Now, I, I do think Sam Darnold's definitely an upgrade over Bryce Petty, but he's still a rookie. You know, you don't know how he's going to perform, and you don't know who's going to form of, uh, you know that that connection with you also have Quincy and noon returning from injury um you know after s- something of a slight a similar you know in terms of production type of season the year before I want to say he put up a little around nine hundred and five or six scores the year prior and Terrell Pryor coming over from the Redskins yeah it's hard to gauge what he's going to be what he's going to be able to contribute because he just wasn't ever healthy last year uh, if he's healthy you know, that's that's starting to create a little bit of a crowded wide receiver core. Jermaine main curse was consistently productive most of last year. And, you know, almost neck and neck with Anderson in terms of the yards and, and catches just wasn't getting in the end zone as much.
1: OK, um, let's dig deeper. And I know one guy you're going to bring up. I wanted to ask you your favorite your favorite receivers, let's say, after round ten, round 10 or later. Um, you mentioned one off the uh, closer to the top, Anthony Miller. Why do can you talk about him a little bit and why you like him so much?
2: Sure. Uh, probably for, you know, a lot of the reasons you like him, if you, you were watching him much, you know, Memphis last year. Uh, I, I did a mock draft, uh, like the day before the, the actual NFL draft, where I decided, you know, to play the GM, and, and I'm going to pick guys who I think where they, I think they should go and who I would take if I'm that team. And just looking at the, the wide receiver core for the Arizona Cardinals, it's it's a mess after Fitzgerald. I had them take uh, Anthony Miller at 15 overall in that mock draft. Uh, and I think that says, you know, what I saw in on his college film, which is easily far and away the best route runner. As, as good as Calvin Ridley is, I think Anthony Miller's, you know, route running today is is among the best in the NFL. Um, he just shows a maturity, too, you know, the, and, and the nuances in his route running that's that makes him a little bit unique. Um, you know, besides some of the impressive physical traits, he's got a really good vertical. He's got good straight line speed. In that four 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 five range, and he's just really physical for a guy's size. He's you know between that you know one hundred ninety to two hundred range, just a bit under six foot. But you know he's creating separation with with his body. You know the way he leans into a player with with his quickness. You know with with uh, you know with deception as well. And it's he does everything right when I watch him on film, and that's on top of having really good hands. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he. Wasn't necessarily like the the team leader in targets, but he was within ten to fifteen targets of Allen Robinson this year, both wow. in triple digit targets. Okay, um, he's my he'd be my dark horse for rookie of the year, even in a, a, a class with Saquon Barkley and a bunch of quarterbacks. And I I wouldn't be even a little bit surprised if in three to five years. Anthony Miller's a guy we talk about as a, a top 10 fantasy re- receiver. Nice. Okay.
1: That's high pressure. That's why I right say there. I'm obsessed with him. <laughs> that's fine. No, that's good. That's good to hear you. Stick, you you, you got to put a stake in the ground on certain people when you really like him. That's one for you. Um, the, 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 I'll go back to – want to. going to ask one more of you in a minute, but I want to talk about a couple of the the players that I have on here. There's a guy who was actually – he was wide receiver 24 last year in standard formats, Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills, and and some people will say, well, his quarterback stinks. Okay, his quarterback stunk last year and the year before, and or the year before was the same one he's got now, and he was still putting up pretty solid fantasy numbers. He's going in 12th round on Fantasy Football Calculator. He is going in the uh, 14th. 14. I mean, he's basically going outside the top. He's a wide receiver 5 in, in 12 team leagues. He's 49th at MFL. And he is 53rd fantasy football calculator. Kenny Stills, I, I don't think Kenny Stills is great and he's going to explode. But I think he's kind of underrated. Do you agree?
2: Uh, definitely underrated. You know, and I, I've got him in a couple of NFL 10s. Um, was taking him probably earlier on in the, in the spring, summertime. time. Um, and I decided to invest one share of Devontae Parker in my most recent draft. Just, you know, in case. But, uh, you know, Kenny Stills is... is like you say, a guy who's just kind of flown under the radar, even since his last season in in New Orleans, which was a nice year. But I wouldn't be surprised to see this be that year where he cracks the thousand yard mark, maybe in that eleven hundred range, and is in that he's a six to eight touchdown type of guy because he's got that, you know, that deep threat ability. But he's also, you know, got got strong enough hands to to you know uh, out from the ten and and catch one at the stick. So. All
1: right. Yeah, I'm a fan. Let, so last year in standard stills was wide receiver 24 the year before he was wide receiver 28 so and we're ranking him out to about 50 so you know you want a little value that might be it the other one I I think this this falls under one of the someone has to catch the ball and I say that too much lately and sometimes with bad passing offenses that's a dangerous road to go down but uh Michael Gallup for the Cowboys and I, I I'm just not an Alan Hearns guy I kind of like him I and mean, he's had some nice years in jacksonville but i have a hard time looking and saying he's going to be sort of this high volume receiver and i'm trying to argue for someone else in dallas and i'm wondering if it's Gallup. what do you think
2: um, I, I can't disagree with it i mean um you know, it's one of those teams where you can look at and, and it's you know you when you want to look at maybe like a deep sleeper that could could come out of a an offense uh, you know there's other guys that I could see even um, being contributors there, but, but Gallup was another one of those guys. Up, you know, obviously wasn't obsessed the way I liked Miller, but I had him probably right around five or six at the receiver position coming in as far as draft picks, um, you know, for the NFL draft. And you know, he's got a, a total toolkit. He's you know he's a good route runner, good hands, good after the catch. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, and like you, I'm I'm not really a Hearns guy either.
1: Okay, now, no on Gallup, I will say the the. The athleticism metrics are not great, right? I mean, you know, it, you, the, the 40 time wasn't great. You know, you look at, I mean, all this is on the Roto-Wire player pages, by the way. You know, the shuttle time and the cone drill and all that stuff. It's just, it's kind of okay. I mean, you know, good, good route runner, good hands. That's different kind of stuff. But the, the athleticism stuff, I mean, he's, he's, he's not going to, you know, jump and take the ball away from anybody. He's not going to outrun anybody. He's just, he's probably more solid than spectacular. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, I would say that's fair, but he's he's still going to get open. Okay, you know, he's, he's uh, he knows how to run a run a, a route, and um, you know he's he's not a small guy either. You know he's, he may not have all the um, athletic metrics you're looking for, but he's still six one in the you know two hundred plus range. So he's not he's got a little bit of size. Right, you know, he's got some strength.
1: Okay, you have anyone anyone else you want to throw in there that people, if they're you know throwing a dart near the end of their draft?
2: Yeah, and I mean, this I would say is probably a deeper league depending on how well he he shines in the preseason. Um, and, and you mentioned John Ross before I was torn between him and and actually one of his teammates. But I would say I'm going to say I'm looking really closely at how Tyler Boyd plays in this preseason because I was high on him coming in as a rookie. Uh, um, and actually, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're going to talk about you know, what I've been working on and something I'll probably try to get posted in the next week or two. Is a, a, a sleeper targets list that I've put a blog up the last few few years. In uh, in 2016, coming his rookie year, I had him on that list. Sounds like he's having by far his best camp and he's just finally kind of getting it and putting it together after a really down second year when he, you know, had some nice moments as a rookie, 50 plus catches. But he's just kind of a silky smooth uh, player. You know, runs good routes, good hands, real sticky hands. He's not like you say. Actually, reminds me a little bit of Gallup because he's not. Uh, you know, an amazing a- athlete in any one way, but he's he's strong after the catch. He's got good overall size, I think around 6'1", 6'2", 200. Uh, and, and there's going to be targets there. They just cut LaFell. You know, Ross and him are going to split a fair amount of targets, but A.J. Green got a, almost 150 last year, and I think he's probably going to be more in that 120, 130 range uh, while these guys stepped up their game. And, and Boyd could be a, a deep league flex.
1: Okay. Boy, when he came in. Was he a slot guy more than more than outside?
2: Yeah, and he's he's probably going to man the slot primarily there, but they'll move him outside a little bit. And I mean, people forget he was—I uh, want to say—drafted in the '50s, uh, yeah. in in twenty sixteen, fifty-five, maybe something along those lines. And you know, so he was a, a pretty high investment for them. They're they're definitely going to see what they have there, I think. And he he had that big catch for them to, to beat Baltimore last year—the the long touchdown—and. And it was a good way for him to cap a, a bad year. So I think he's coming in with some confidence too.
1: The Bills Mafia game, the Andy Dalton Bills Mafia game. That's what that was. All right, um, folks, listen to our store podcast and get a free 10-day RotoWire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out now, rotowire.com slash pod. All right, you started talking about sleepers. You said, you said next week or two, are you are going to be working on that?
2: Yeah, I always try to get it out usually like mid-August. It's... Uh, I'm always torn once I start to write it. But do I want to post it right before I have some of my favorite home league drafts? <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, it's brutal to do that it's because tough. people read your people are literally reading your sleeper picks back to you in the middle of the draft.
2: To talk, yeah, yeah. Well, some of my best friends have already heard enough about Anthony Miller, so I'm going have to take him about three to five rounds right. ahead of where I might normally. But. Uh, the leagues I'm going to own them in for sure are all, you know, deeper uh, rosters and, and keeper formats. So.
1: How many leagues do you play in?
2: Uh, you know, I try not to get into too many. Um, the most I've, I'll usually do is like maybe eight to ten. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to probably dial it down even a little this year. I, you know, prefer to put the focus in the, in the work week in and week out. You know, that's a grind. And, um, and And so I'll probably have like five, six leagues. I'm actually... Still trying to put together a league, and I just don't have enough guys at home. If if we can, if I can find the guys, I want to do a unique format. Uh, I saw something on Twitter about it that it was called a vampire league. Have you heard about this? No. So the the gist is, uh, I, I would probably make it a ten team keeper league, but uh, all but one team does their draft. So you have ten teams, nine teams draft. The tenth team has to build their entire roster from <laughs> the waiver wire. And, you know, just like, you know, vampire gets its strength from from killing someone, sucking the blood, this team has to build up and get stronger by winning. So you beat a team, you can take, you swap a player. You, nice. get, you can take you know, their best player for your worst player. Uh, and I, there's a lot of little kind of neat nuances and rules you can put into it. But I would set it up so that, you know, uh, in Italy, depending on how many teams, but, it, you know, say the first time you play a team, they can protect a guy. One guy, but they have to bench him. So then you have that thought of, oh, do I want to protect Todd Gurley and bench him? But maybe I'm risking my second best player if I lose. See, okay, that sounds awesome. Yep. no, no. The only reason I want to do it, though, is to be the vampire. I I told it to one of my close friends. and He was like, I probably wouldn't even do it unless I had got the chance to be the vampire because I'd want that challenge. Right. Like why? If you weren't the vampire, it's so much less fun. It is, but you you know you just kind of count one team out of the running.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right, I got to I got I, I got to look into this. We might have to talk offline about because this sounds like a fun league. All right, Luke. Well, thanks. We'll thanks. Look, thanks. Right thanks Luke. Good luck drafting Anthony Miller. Okay.
2: All right, thanks, John.
1: All right, everybody, if you like the podcast, please leave us a review and a rating wherever you're listening. And thank you for listening to this edition of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'll be back on Thursday with another episode leading into week one, the first full week of the preseason. So come on back then. For Luke Hoover, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.